0: I hope you've got a story to tell, too. If you don't, hang around. At the end of the service, we'll give you a chance to get one. <laughs> Let me begin this morning by sort of qualifying what we're fixing to do. Now, I remember when I first started preaching, I had a preacher tell me, he says, you know, at least once a month in a Baptist church, you need to preach on tithing. And that sort of, really, it sort of aggravated me. I mean, it may be true, but it still aggravated me. (laughs) Because my thoughts are, if we get our hearts right, the pocketbook's going to follow. We don't have to worry about it. But I want to share this morning, this is a giving message. But it's just not about money. It's about giving many things. And, you know, as I've been around this business for about 30 years, been preaching about 30 years, pastoring about 30 years, and I was reading in God's Word not too long, just a few weeks ago, and I came across a passage I don't remember ever reading. I sure I did because I've tried to read the Bible through several times over the years. But this just really jumped out at me. And God was saying something about it. And I said, well, God, I don't want to do that message right now. I've got I've got to wait for a giving message. I've got some already lined up. And I've got, a, I've got a good one. And he just wouldn't let me get away from it. And so this morning I want to share a passage that doesn't seem like it's talking about giving. But it is. If you would, turn me, with me to Exodus chapter 35, but there's so much more to it than just giving our money. Exodus chapter 35, and I'm going to ask you to look at verse 4 and th- uh, four, th- four and 5, and then down to verse 10, 10 and 11, because we could read the whole chapter, but it's going to take a little bit of time, so we'll just hit the high points here. But listen to what's being said here. I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, Whatever, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. Then skip down to verse 10 of that same passage, just a little ways down. All who, gifted, all who are gifted artisans artisans, whatever, have you pronounced that, among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tents, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. Now, let's stop there for just a moment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage you've given us, and Lord, just open our eyes that we may see this the way you've intended it. Lord, for many times I've looked over this and never caught what you're saying here until I really... Begin to look at it. And I just thank you for it, Lord. And open our eyes that we all may see what you're saying to us here. Go with us, lose the next few minute, minutes. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If God can speak and a sun begins to shine, a moon begins to glow, stars begin to twinkle, planets begin to rotate, surely God could build platforms. God could build churches, and God could build tabernacles without any problem. Do you agree with that? I mean, God doesn't need us to build anything, or does he? As I was reading this some weeks ago, I got to think about something. Now, you've got to understand how my crazy mind works sometimes. I thought, you know, I began to think about what is it that God's built that he needs us? You say, well, God didn't need us for anything. Well, let me show you something. The only thing that God has ever built without the help of human hands is the universe. Think of something else that God ever built without people helping other than the universe. God has never acted alone after creation. He always, once creation was done, once the beginning of the world was done, He always used people to help Him. Is that because he needed the help? No, I don't think so. Why did he do that? God has never acted alone since creation. He created the world for us, but He builds nothing without us. In Exodus chapter 5, the passage we just read, God asked Israel for money and materials precisely to build the tabernacle. Now, wait a minute. Why did God have to ask for people to bring their gold and silver and the the talents they had and the gifts they used and all these things to do Why did he have to do this? I began to think about that. Now, again, let me read that passage we just read. Exodus chapter 35, 4 through 5, and then 10 and 11. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, all who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tents, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets. Now we know that God doesn't need our help to do something. Right? We all agree there? God does not need our help to build anything. Nor does God need the materials. God doesn't need the money. He could have just spoken and that tabernacle would have been there. He spoke and the worlds came together, the stars and everything, our universe came together. So what was it about this tabernacle that was so much different? It reminds me of a story about a lady named Marie who had just turned 90 years old. And she decided she could no longer go out and shop for Christmas presents. So she would just send some checks to everybody, to her best friends, her family, everybody on her Christmas list, and she wanted her loved ones to go out and buy their own gifts. She worked to get everything in the mail early, so it would be their own time. She wrote out a Christmas card to all of them that she was given a gift to, and at the bottom of each card, she simply wrote these words, buy your own present, Merry Christmas, she finished all the cards, took them to the post office, and thought to herself, now I can really enjoy this Christmas season this year. Well, after Christmas was over, she began to clean off her desk of all the clutter that happened around Christmas time and so forth. And all of a sudden, she discovered, under a pile of papers, all the checks that she was supposed to put in there. Now think about what she wrote. It probably didn't make a big impact. I don't know if that's a true story. or not. We'll assume it was. But don't worry about it because God can buy his own present. God doesn't need our help. So why is it that God always uses us to build something through? I think the answer is, after reading this passage and looking at it really closely, I believe because we're the ones that get the blessing of giving anything. Let's look at this story a little bit. God can buy his own present. More and more people, you know, there's things called nowadays uh, direct deposit. Or you can even uh, you know, take a picture of your, your check now when you get paid, and it'll be in the bank the next day. It's, it used to be you had to, for many years and not too many years ago, you had to go, you know, get your paycheck, go down to the bank, stand in line for an hour, and just you know, cash it and put it in the bank, and then just it'd uh, be there. But now, with many employers, you can fill out a form, and payday comes, and they automatically just take it out of your account. Or that uh, you can get a check, and you can take a picture of it, and the bank will get it in five minutes' time, and it's deposited. You know, God could have just directly deposited all that money he needed in the account, and everything would have been fine. God could have spoke the word, and that tabernacle would have come up. God could have spoke the word, and all those fancy trappings around that tabernacle could have appeared. Why does God need us? Because it's not for us, it's for what God can do for us. And watch what he does here. God doesn't do it that way. He chooses to rely on our obedience, which raises the question, the title of this message, Why me, Lord? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to give? Why do I have to do that? Number one, giving enables me to try God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 says bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and then he says something very interesting he says try me on this you know what God's saying to us? I'm going to give you a command just like he did in the Old Testament he says I want you to try me on this did you realize this is the only place in the Bible where God says you can test me if you want to on this you can test me. As I said, when I first started preaching, I had a preacher, a good friend of mine, ours at the time. And he literally told me one day, coming in his office and sit down. He says, you begin to go out and start preaching and so forth. says, let me just give you some advice. And, and he was as serious as could be. He said, at least once a month in a Baptist church, you need to preach on tithing. I don't believe that. Now, there's nothing wrong with preaching on tithing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe if we get our hearts right, God's going to get all the glory he needs from it. We don't have to spend time and time preaching on it. But it's godly. It's it's scripture. But anyway, let's move along. for it. Uh, <clears throat> Try me on this, says the Lord of hosts. And listen to what he says. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Did you catch that? That's God speaking, not not one of the apostles, anything else, that's God speaking. He says, I want you to try me on this. That's the only place in the Bible says, God says, you can test me if you want to. See if I'm telling you the truth. Did you hear those words? Try me in that. Test me in that. Listen to what God's saying to each and every one of us. God is giving us a test. God is test our faith, giving test our faith in God. Giving tests our fate. But at the same time, giving also tests God's faithfulness. The same measure that we use, it will be measured back to you. You've heard that saying many times. Whenever you give, you'll always get back in some way. Not from your resources, but from God's infinite supply. God has promised time and time again, like a seed that brings a harvest. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-8 through 8 says this, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Did you know that God never asked you to give anything unless unless He's willing for you to give it through you? He's willing to give it through you. I want you to listen to uh, this incredible statement from none other than King David in the Old Testament. David says, Who am I? and are my people, that we could give anything to you. Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you've already given us. Every time we have an opportunity to give, God is putting your faith to the test. But you're also putting his faithfulness to the test every time you give. Giving also encourages me to thank God giving reminds you of where all you have came from. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, "Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights." But then in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, back in the Old Testament, listen to these words, "And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore Your fathers, as is it this day. Now, think about that for a moment. What God just said to us if everything you have is a gift from God, and it's God that gives you the ability to make the wealth that you have, that you've obtained, then when you tithe, you're really not giving to God. God's letting you keep 90% of it. Every time you give a tithe or an offering, You're really saying, Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with the ninety percent you gave me. You're thinking of thanking him for all he's done for you. Now, like I say, now this as I was reading this a few weeks ago, it just it hit me. And I'd never thought about this before. And it just it just jumped off the page like, man, I've been missing the whole concept of what really giving is. And I've been doing this for thirty years. But it just seemed like God said here is what you're missing, the point of it. Every time you give a tithe or an offering, you're saying thank you, Lord. You're thanking him for all he's done for you. You're thanking him for all he's given you. You're thanking him for him for all he's done for you. God has promised time and again it's giving like a seed, like we said. We'll go. Let's read that verse again. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine verse six through eight. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God gives a, loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, what's that saying? We've heard that verse before. Let's break it down a little bit. This is the law that every farmer lives by. I don't know if we've got any farmers in here or not, but we're all familiar with farmers anyway. Think about a farmer. Every time a farmer sows his seed, he's testing God. He's testing God. He plants that seed. And God's promises say that if you plant the seed, it's going to grow. There's going to be rain. It's going to make it grow. Now, sometimes there's crop failures. Flop failures. (laughs) Crop failures. That's a tongue twister. Crop failures. Boy, I messed up now. Anyway, every time a farmer sows a seed, he's testing God. He's saying something like this. If I plant the seed, God will provide for my need. Right? That's exactly what giving does. It puts God to the test. Yes, it puts us to the test. To see if we've got the faith. But it also puts God to the test. And keep in mind, God's the one that said, test me on this. Try me and see if I'm going to deliver. And so that's the concept of farmers and growing crops and so forth. It puts God to the test to see whether or not he will bring a harvest when, the plant, when you plant the seeds. Now, I said a while ago, this is not just about money because we're talking about more things. It's also about our time, our talents. Yes, our money and other things. And God's God is saying to us through this test, this type of test, are you willing to step out on faith and trust me? We have needs in our church this morning. I mean, there's, there's needs in our church. We need Sunday school teachers. We have classes that need to be filled, so on and so forth. Every church has them. And God's saying, maybe there's somebody in this room that needs to fill a position. Are you willing to trust me in this? And God says, I'm testing you on it are you willing to step out on it giving is also like a boomerang that always comes back to you you notice in Exodus chapter 35 verse 21 we're told then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of the meeting of meeting for all its service and all the holy of uh, and for all the holy garments. That's very interesting when you think about it. It's not that they were bringing their contribution to the Lord. Did you hear what they just said? They were bringing the Lord's contribution to the Lord. God let them use it for a little bit. And he says, now I need you to do something. And he says, I want you to bring it to me. Everyone came whose heart was stirred. That's a very important little phrase there, whose heart was stirred. You know, some Sunday mornings I walk out and think, man, I just, I just, that bombed. It just didn't go across. Nobody got what I was trying to say. But yet somebody, maybe the next week, will call and say something about a message. And, well, maybe it didn't, maybe it did get one person. But listen to what God's saying about it to us. It's a boomerang effect. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and all its, for all the holy garments. Think about this. What they were giving was not only to the Lord, it was from the Lord. Did you know that anything you give to God first comes from God? I don't care what it is. Your time, your talent, your money... Anything you give to God first has to come from God. Always does. Romans chapter 6, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him all thi- are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, that's the reason there's a verse in the Bible that has never really made sense to me, to be honest with you, until I began to dig into this a little bit. And that's Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Here's the verse that, now to me it didn't make sense. I, just, I couldn't put my hand, what is it really saying to me? Here's what Luke chapter, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be, your, will, will be put into your bosom. For with, for with it, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Whenever you give, you will always get it back some way, some form, some fashion more than you give. You cannot out give God. I don't care what you do. God always blesses us more when we do it with the right attitude. The reason is because you're giving not from your resources, but from God's infinite supply. See, everything we have comes from God anyway. And so what we're doing is just giving back a part of his. Whether it be a tithe, whether it be our talents, whether it be numerous things. We're giving it back to God. And that's how he blesses. Did you know that God will never ask you for anything again unless he's willing to give it through you? God won't ask you for anything. Giving encourages me to thank God. Giving reminds you of where all that you have came from. Listen to this verse again. James 117. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. God knows where everything you have comes from. The root word of miserable is what? Miser. The more I hold in, the more stingy I become. The more selfish I am with money, time, love, talents, whatever it is, the more miserable I will be and unhappy I will be. The more that I try to hold back for myself, well, that church has got plenty of money. They don't need our money. It's not the church's money, folks. This is God's money. God wants to use it in a way. Our talents... I don't have time to do that Sunday school class. I don't have time to be a part of that praise team. I don't have time to do this. God can fix it so you have plenty of time if you're not careful. He can always take care of that problem. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9-7, God loves a cheerful giver. Think about that a minute. Now, reading reading this verse in English doesn't really give the full flavor of what's being said there. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I have to go to experts that I think are, at least know what they're saying anyway. I, I don't even know what I'm saying in Hebrew. But the holy in ancient days, whenever a Greek text was written, interesting things would occur when a word was placed in different positions of a sentence. A Greek text was written. Now, do you know what appears first in this sentence that I just read you? Be a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It's not the word giver. What this verse literally says is, for the one who is cheerful, who is a giver, God loves. See, it sort of changing around. For the one who is a giver, who is cheerful, who is a giver, God loves. Did you see what comes first? First of all, we got to love God. Second, you've got to be cheerful about what you do. You say, what does that mean? Well, think about the word cheerful. What's the, what does it mean? The Greek word in our language is hilaros, H-I-L-A-R-O-S, which gives us the word hilarious. That's where we get that word from. The Greek word, it's in such an unusual word because, it, number one, it doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible except this one place. In the New Testament, do you know why God so prizes and values the hilarious giver, if you will? Because a hilarious giver gives so generously. He doesn't hold back anything with an iron grip on it. His heart is so full of cheer, so full of joy, so full of gratitude, it literally causes his pockets to turn inside out, basically. We could say it that way. That's exactly what giving does when we give to God the right direction. Giving encourages me to thank God, but my gratitude in turn motivates me to give to God, my gratitude for what God's done for me. I can't speak for anybody else in this room, but God's been so, so good over me to me over the years. Just like that song, my story. I'd like to tell you my story one day because it stretches for 20 years, so it take us a while, and God's not through yet. God has been so gracious. So helpful in so many ways. We just don't understand what God does for us sometimes. But let's move along. Have you ever been in a situation, in fact, let me back up a minute and say this. I'm convinced that almost nothing tests your faith like finances. you agree? I mean, mean, that's some stressful points. That's some stressful things. Have you ever had to make a choice between perhaps paying a bill and giving a tithe? I mean, don't raise your hand or anything, but just have you ever been in that situation? If you've ever been faced with that situation, you may not realize it, but God was giving you a test at that time. And there was one question on that test. Do you believe that I can take care of your bills for you? I remember when Judy and I, we hadn't been married but a few years, and in fact, we'd, uh, I guess about five, six, seven years what it was. Anyway, we would left. This church was at. I was the music director, and she played the piano at this church, and we would left that church, and we joined a church named Saginaw Park Baptist Church up in Fort Worth, up in the Saginaw area, obviously. Anyway, it's um, we weren't making a lot of money. We were a young couple. We didn't have enough sense to know what to do anyway, but, so we, we didn't have a lot of money, and I had convinced myself it's just, it's just impossible for us to tithe. Now, I already begin to think about being a preacher, but I just, there's no way we can do it. I don't make enough. You don't make enough. In fact, our first son had been born, and it just, uh, you know, we were really tight, and I mean, it just, there just wasn't enough money. And I I talked to God and said, God, I just can't do it. I'm sorry, but I'll pick it up when I start making lots of money. I'm still waiting. But no, I'm I'm kidding. But anyway, but anyway, it just, I mean, it just, it was a tight time for us. But we joined a church named Saddlew Park Baptist Church, Pastor Ken Pittman, one of the Greatest man I've ever met. He's dead now for several years. But one Sunday morning during the service, that sucker did something. I I thought, all right, here's my opportunity. He made this statement. If you're not tithing regularly, you need to stop robbing God. That hit home. And do what he said. Then he added this. If anyone here wants to try me on this, you start tithing on a regular basis, and after six months, if, it's, if you're not better off than you were, I'll pay you back every dime you gave. Boy, my little brain, ping! All right, I got him now. Here's a way I can find that. And so I went to his office the next day, and I said, Brother Ken, did you mean what you said? He said, I sure did. He said, you want to try it? I said, yeah, I do. I mean, this is sitting in his office. I was a cocky young man. I thought, I've got him. I'm fixing to get a big chunk of money back. I said, okay, I'm going to start next Sunday. I'm going to tithe off my check. Let me tell you something. That's been about 40 years ago now, and I hadn't asked for it back yet. you know why? Because God delivers on his promises. I would challenge you the same way. If you don't, if you trust God... Step out and try what God's telling you to test him on. Don't test me. Test God on it. And watch God come through in amazing ways. I mean it's in ways you can't even imagine. In fact, as far as I know, we've never missed a meal. Uh, we've haven't been laid on too many bills except the ones that Judy told me in mail I forgot to, but it's that's another story. But God has always delivered. We may not have had our cabinets full of food, but we had enough to eat and get by. And God is blessed in ways that I cannot even begin to tell you. And I would challenge you today. Step out. This is a verse that tells us to challenge God, to test Him. Not just us, but God's letting us test Him. Is God faithful enough to do what He says He will? Yes. Do I have enough faith to trust Him in it? I don't know about that part. But let me tell you. This part works. God is faithful and true. I would challenge anyone here to do the same thing. You see, in the Christian life, life really runs on two tracks, faith and obedience. Now, the devil wants you to throw you off track, get you in the ditch of life, if you will. Doubt on one, of the, one side of the ditch. Disobedience or the other one? Which one are you going to go through? Disobedience or the other track. God's work has never stopped because lack of money. Guess what? God does not need your money. But, oh, you need God's faithfulness in your life. And here's what he's challenging you with. God's work has never stopped because lack of money, but only lack of faith and disobedience. You want to stop the church from going forward? Faith and disobedience. In God's Word. See, it all comes back to the one thing that's so important. Do you have faith in God to take care of you? Do you trust what this Word says to you? Do you believe what God's Word says to you on a regular basis? It's hard sometimes. I can tell you, I've been there. It was hard to step out on that. But I can tell you this. God came through more than I ever expected in my life. And I'll back up in just a minute. God was even already beginning to put on my heart to be a minister, to be a preacher of the gospel. I mean, he was already beginning to deal with it. And here I was, didn't even want to tithe because I wasn't trusting God totally. There's been times over the years, I'll I'll be honest with you, that it got pretty slim. And we wondered, how we are going to pay our bills? But God always came through. That's what God does. Put your trust. Put your obedience. Do what he tells us and watch God take care of it. God is not in the money-raising business. God is in the faith-building business. Money doesn't please God. Buildings don't please God. Faith pleases God. If I were to ask you this question, how important do you think this morning the word believe is in the Bible? I would assume you'd think it's pretty important, right? I mean, The Bible, and and the word believe is in the Bible 272 times. If I were to ask you the same question about the word pray, how important is that word? Well, that's a very important word. The word pray is found 371 times in the Bible. If I were to ask you the same question about love, we know love is an important word. I'm sure all of us would agree that that's a very, very important word. It's found 714 times in the Bible. But what you may not know is that the word give is found 2,162 times in the Bible. You know why I believe the word give is found in the Bible more times than believe, pray, and love put together? Because nothing builds your faith. Nothing enhances your prayer, praying, and nothing strengthens your love for God like giving to the work of God. I heard this story, and we'll close with this, about a monk years ago who found a precious stone one day, and he kept it, beautiful stone worth lots and lots of money. One day he met a, stra- a traveler on the road, and when the monk opened his bag to share his food with him, the traveler saw that precious stone. The traveler asked him, would you give that to me? And the monk handed it over to him. The traveler departed overjoyed and with the unexpected, extremely valuable gift that he had got. He knew that he was set for life. He'd be wealthy. He had, all of his cares were gone. That the guy just gave it to him. A few days later, the same traveler came back and searched for that monk, and he found him. He said, I've got something to give to you. And he gave him back that precious stone that he found. The monk looked at him with a quizzical expression on his face, like, I gave it to you. What would you give it back for? And the traveler said, I want you to give me something more precious than that stone. The monk didn't have anything else to give him. And then the traveler said, I want you to give me that which enabled you to give it to me in the first place. That's the spirit that God wants from every Christian alive today. That doesn't mean we're to give away everything we've got. That doesn't mean I've got to empty my checkbook to give to somebody here. That's not what it's saying. It just says when there's needs, reach out. In the church, in the community, we're to be a giving people. And I don't believe we'll ever understand God's full, what he's saying here until we begin to say, God. You gave it to me. You show me what to do with it. Whatever it is. Talents, time, and yes, money. That's the spirit that God wants in every single one of us. Just like that monk. What have made him so valuable that he could give something so honestly that he could give something so valuable away? But wasn't it great that that guy began to think, wait a minute, that's what I want. That's more valuable than a precious stone. That's more valuable than anything else. That's why God wants us to give. And not just money again, folks. We're not talking about just money. We're talking about talents and time, efforts, on and on. That's why God wants us to share so he can take from us. Not so he can take from us, but so he can give us to us that spirit like his. Because, you see, it all boils down to this one sentence. God so loved the world that He gave. And you're never more like God than when you give as well. That's what God wants from us. He's not asking for you to empty your checkbook. He's asking for you to give to help. Show yourself a cheerful giver, whatever it is. Let's stand this morning. Dear God, we come to the close this service. We just ask that you take our the time we're here this morning, and Lord, just like I've shared, that just this has been on my mind for several weeks now. Just you wouldn't get it off, you wouldn't let me get it off of my mind. And I, I believe, Lord, it's an important passage we look at. I know we don't like to hear about giving. A, that's all you hear in churches: is just give, 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 Lord. But we serve a Savior that gave and gave and gave. And Lord, we should be thrilled to be a part not only of our finances but Lord that we would give of ourselves we would give of our talent we would give of our abilities or whatever it is to help further the cause of the church that you died for Lord open our eyes this morning let us see what your truth is saying to us this morning and Lord may it break our hearts that we would begin to be the kind of people you want us to be the kind of givers that you want us to be. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Go with us now as we sing this verse of invitation. Lord, if there be anyone here that you've spoken to this morning, Lord, put it on our hearts and don't let it go away. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.